I guess when the music goes down, it's time to come up, right? Whether the clock has run out or not. Um, well, good morning. I hope you guys are doing well this morning. Uh, we're glad to have you here at Redeemer uh, for our service. If you're joining us online, we're glad to have you tuning in from wherever you are as well. We've got a few announcements this morning as we get started. This past week, we had a brand new life group launch uh, here at Highview on Monday evenings at 6.30. They will meet again, not, this, not tomorrow night, but Monday, May 2nd. And so if you're not connected to a life group, a uh, place where you're connecting relationally in the life of the church, um, encouraging one another, being encouraged by one another, uh, that life group would love to have you visit with them. Um, if you have questions about that, you can scan the QR code on the digital bulletin. It will take you to, the, website, to uh, the, the digital bulletin, and you can reach out to the uh, Jim and Ashley McCabe there. Uh, that's who's leading that life group. They would love to answer any questions that you might have. Um, also, coming up this next weekend, we've got a couple of events on the calendar. Uh, Saturday morning, uh, down in, by, uh, at Smith Family Park, uh, just next to City Hall here in Fate, is the Great American Cleanup, and so the city's looking for volunteers to come and help collect things, trash across the city. They're going to give you a particular section of the streets or neighborhoods to go and uh, clean up, and then everyone will meet back at, uh, at the park at 11 o'clock, so from 9 to 11 is when that's going to be. If you want to sign up for that, you can register on the city's website. We're not facilitating registrations for that, but the link for that is in the digital bulletin if you're interested. And then that afternoon, we'll be hosting the Cornhole Tournament here at Highview. Uh, it is on, uh, so we've got, I think, eight teams currently signed up uh, and registered to participate. And so if you have not yet registered but would like to come and take your chance at uh, throwing bags into a hole uh, to claim victory and prizes and bragging rights for the next year, uh, feel free to sign up. There's still time to register. Uh, you can do that through the digital bulletin. If you would like as well, we'll be raffling off a Yeti prize pack as a part of that as well. Uh, tickets for that are $10, and if you would like to buy one today because you aren't going to be able to be here next Saturday, uh, Becca's got a QR code back there you can scan, and that'll take you to a place you can purchase those raffle tickets online as well. Um, so I think that's all the announcements I've got this morning. I want to invite you to stand as that calls us to worship and leads us in song. Church, today we will be reading from John 3.16, a verse that we all know very well, but it has a lot of meaning. So, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, and whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. So last week we introduced a song called God So Loved, and it's using this verse, and I think that we forget the power of of the words, God so loved. Because that love drove him to die on a cross and to be buried in the earth and to rise again on the third day for us. In his love, he died for us. So church, that's why this song is so important and that's why we sing it here at Redeemer is because we are recognizing the fact that God so loved and therefore, we get redemption, we get salvation, we get eternal life because of the price Jesus paid for us. So church, let's worship together and worship the God who loves. Come to the well that never runs dry. 
Drink of the water, come and thirst no more. Come, all you sinners, come find His mercy. Come to the table, He will satisfy. Taste of His goodness, find what you're looking for. For God so loved the world that He gave us, His one and only Son to save us. Whoever believes in Him will live forever. Bring all your failures, bring your addictions, come lay them down at the foot of the cross. Jesus is waiting there with open arms to so see his open arms for God so loved the world that he gave us his one and only son to save us whoever believes in him will live forever the power of serve a good God. Let's continue to worship him this morning. You give life. You give life. You are love. 
You bring light to the darkness. You give hope. You restore every heart that is broken. Great are you, Lord. It's your breath in our lungs. So we pour out our praise. We pour out our praise. It's your breath in our lungs. So we pour out our praise to you. Great are you, Lord. You give life, you are love. You bring light to the darkness. You give hope, you restore. Yes, you do. Your breath in our 
Jesus, we just, we worship you today, and we give you the glory and the honor and the praise and the power and everything else that we can give you, Jesus. And we want to place you on your throne, high and lifted up above all. Thank you for this time of worship, Jesus. Thank you for this time where we get to recognize you as King and as Savior. We just thank you for all of these things. In your name we pray. Amen. Our church, you can be seated. Welcome. Uh, if I have not met you, I see several visitors in here this morning. I'm so th- glad that you're here. Uh, my name is Matt. I'm one of the elders here. And at this time, we're going to enter to uh, corporate prayer is what we call it, a chance that we have as gathered believers in the local church to pray for different topics, different things um, uh, that an elder or someone here in the church will lead each week. And so this week, we have a special opportunity to pray for the mission field, for missionaries. And so I want to introduce this time by reading a couple of scriptures to you. They're not going to be on the board, so I'll just read here. The first one is Mark sixteen fifteen, and it says, And he said to them, Go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Matthew 28, 19 through 20 says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the ends of the age. And I have a whole list here of verses of commands from from Jesus, from King Jesus, to go and proclaim the good news of the gospel that he brought. And so this morning I want to talk about how that happens. So we, we have several missionaries that we support, that we pray for regularly. Some of you faithfully give financially. We give faithfully financially to the minister or to the missionaries out in the field. Uh, one of those is Latitude GLC. And so, Keith, if you would come up here, please, and Shannon, if you'd come up here, please. They don't just magically have contacts overseas. They don't just magically have uh, needs that they go and meet places. There's a lot of groundwork and a lot of research and a lot of hard work that goes into making this happen. And so tomorrow, these two gentlemen, our pastor and Keith uh, from Latitude, they're going to get on an airplane and they're going to go overseas. And they're not going to go and hit the ground and and work programs and teach uh, curriculum, but they're going to do the hard work, the legwork of establishing partnerships of finding where the need is as they answer the call to go and make disciples. They're going to go find where the need is so that we can do that, so that we can answer the call. And so this morning in our corporate prayer, we're going to pray for these two men as they go and they partner with five or six or meet with potential partners, five or six churches in Europe. That's right. And so so let's pray for them. One, that they'd have safe travels, that they would get there efficiently and safely Two, let's pray that they would have um, beneficial, fruitful meetings and establish new partners where we can send missionaries and make disciples. And then three, safe travels back. (laughs) We we need you all to come back. (laughs) So you all come here together. You can stay in your seats. Reach a hand forward if that feels comfortable to you. I'm going to lead us in a time, and we're going to pray for these men as they go into the field tomorrow. Father God, I thank you for Keith West. I thank you for his vision of Latitude GLC to reach uh, the globe, to create and establish and train leaders, God, that can lead communities like this one where they are. Not that we can just go and teach and then come back and leave them, but to train and equip leaders there so that they can continually continue to faithfully teach and to grow and develop others as they make disciples in their own place. I pray, Lord, for Shannon as he goes as with Keith, that they would work together as a team, that they would see your favor in the field, God, that they would establish connections, establish and create and establish new partnerships with these churches in these locations. 
And I just pray, God, that they would come back with great stories that can excite us and, and get us involved in what you're doing through Latitude and in the mission field. I pray for a safe return. I pray, Lord, that they would have a, a great trip. And uh, we trust you, God, with these two men as we send them out tomorrow. And it's in your son's Jesus' name we pray. Amen. For the prayers, brother, uh, we look forward to the journey and look forward to returning home and reporting to you what the Lord is doing there. We'll be particularly in London, uh, meeting with six to eight pastors over there, uh, developing those partnerships. So be in prayer over the course of this week for us as we travel, as we have conversations and network over there. Um, well, my name's Shannon. I'm one of the pastors here at Redeemer, and we are glad that you're here this morning. Um, at this time in our service is where we normally dismiss our children who are third grade and under. And so if you're a guest with us and never experienced that, um, and you would like your kids to go to Bible study, they're welcome to. If you want them in here with you, we totally understand that as well. But if they're going to go to Bible study this morning, Miss Bethany and Miss Kayla are in the back of the room in the Blue Redeemer kids' shirts. Uh, and they'll follow them down the hall for their lesson this morning as we open the Bible together for our sermon. And so as they make their way out, let me just take care of a couple of uh, uh, just updates for you on where we are in, in several things. First of all, last fall, uh, we launched a capital initiative um, with the vision of securing the funding that would be necessary. that we could call home. Uh, this last week I met with some of the leaders at the city uh, and talked about several pieces of property in the area that we have interest in. Uh, so they gave us some contacts that we could follow up on. Our realtor is doing that uh, as we speak and, and making contacts with those individuals. Uh, but it led me to look back at kind of what was pledged to give, be given and where we are in that uh, endeavor to, to date. And so Back last fall, we had a roughly $350,000 pledged to be given, and we have collected about 66000 of that to date. And so I just wanted to update you on that so that you're aware of where we are. Um, and it's our goal, our desire to potentially be able to secure property, uh, because when I met with the city um, and talked with the realtor, I realized that land is no longer going for what it was two years ago. Um, it is going for close to double that in some locations. And so uh, we want to try and secure that as quickly as possible. So Lord willing, would you pray with us by the end of this year that God would provide the funding, the resources that are necessary in order to lock in a location that he would have us be uh, before things balloon even further out of control financially. Pray for God's favor. Pray for his provision. Pray that he would turn the hearts of some of those landowners, wherever he would have us be, towards us as a church. Um, because we're not coming in to sell widgets or build cars or anything like that. We're coming in to serve the community um, and be an outpost for the gospel in our area. So would you pray with us for that? Um, but the second thing I wanted to update you on this morning is this. Last fall, we also took nominations for elders in our congregation. Uh, our church, as a, as, a, as a church body, I tell people we are congregationally governed, uh, we are elder-led, and we are deacon-served. And so that means the congregation votes on big issues, like when we buy land, that's not an elder decision. It's going to come before the congregation to be affirmed. Um, but the congregation also affirms the elders who are leading the church, guiding the church, shepherding the church, directing the church in her affairs. And our congregation nominated three men last fall. Uh, they nominated uh, 
Keith West, Craig Cooper, and Stephen Tomicelli. And so those three men have been meeting with us since January with our sitting elders. Um, and as of last week, all of our sitting elders uh, felt comfortable putting each of these three men before you to be affirmed uh, as new elders coming into the life of our church. And so I wanted to publicly announce that this morning. That'll go out in email next week as well for those who weren't here in attendance today. Uh, and then March, March 8th, we had to go back in time. May 8th, uh, we will have a vote to affirm those men. And then, Lord willing, on May 15th, we will install them as new elders. And at that point, um, two of our existing elders, Steve Welch and Stanley John, will rotate off after six years of consecutive service for a sabbatical. And so I wanted to update you on that. If you have questions or concerns about any of those men, I say this every time, then please feel free to address those to our sitting elders, to myself, to Matt Simmons, to Stanley John, or to Steve Welch. We would love to hear from you. Uh, if you have affirmations for any of those men, we would love to hear those as well. And so, um, but we're excited about the direction the Lord is leading and the folks that he's raising up into leadership here, and I hope that you are as well. Well, if you get a Bible this morning, turn with me to Romans chapter 1 as we open a new series of messages this morning entitled Core. Entitled Core. You know, one of the things that I've come to learn over the course of my life as someone who is a quasi-athlete, um, right? I use that term very loosely. Um, but, but that many, many, many non-contact athletic injuries can be traced back to a weak core, all right, so overuse injuries, muscular injuries can be traced back to having, not having the stability in the core of your body that you need in order to support everything else. Right? In fact, exercise physiologists will point us to the fact and tell us there's a number of symptoms of a weak core in your body. One might be lower back pain. Some of you are like, ah, that's where it's coming from, right? And so that low back pain that you experience, because your core is not just those abdominal muscles that you have on the front side, but it also stretches all the way around your back. And if you have a weak core, oftentimes you wake up out of bed in the morning, you're like, why am I so stiff, right? I'm only 38 years old, right? Okay, which I'm not any longer, but I wish I was. Um, but but that's, that's the reality, low back pain. Oftentimes as well, poor posture is associated with a weak core, or bad balance, right? Having a degree of instability as you walk or st having difficulty standing for in, like, lo long periods of time. Those are all symptoms of a weak core, right? One of the signs is that you rely on your arms to get out of a chair or get out of bed, right? You have to push yourself up because you don't have the strength here to pull yourself up into a, 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 a standing position, okay? Uh, you sway maybe as you walk or you hold your breath at times. You don't have difficulty breathing because your core is weak. There's all sorts of things that are connected back to a weak core physically. And I would tell you this morning, church, there are all sorts of bad behaviors and beliefs in your life that are connected back to a weak spiritual core. A weak spiritual core. And so this, over the next six weeks, we want to strengthen our core together by, value, by looking at our core values as a church. Because we believe these six core values are indispensable for having a strong core spiritually in your life to avoid some of those bad behaviors and those bad beliefs. So this morning, we want to start with wrapping our heads, our hearts, and our hands around this first indispensable element of our spiritual core, which would be the gospel itself. 
So this morning we come to Romans chapter 1. We'll pick up reading in verse 13 and read down through verse 17 together and come back and unpack it. Romans chapter 1, beginning in verse 13. If you don't have a copy of the scriptures in front of you, it'll be on the screen behind me and you can follow along there as we read. But in verse, in verse uh, 13, the Apostle Paul starts with these words. He says, I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that I have often intended to come to you, but thus far have been prevented, in order that I may reap some harvest among you as well as among the rest of the Gentiles. I am under no, ob- I'm, I'm sorry, I'm under obligation both to Greeks and to barbarians, both to the wise and to the foolish. So I am eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. For I am not ashamed of the gospel. For it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. To the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. This is God's word. Now, the first thing that I want us to see about the gospel this morning from this passage is this. is that The gospel is good news, not good advice. It's good news, not good advice. In verse 15, Paul says that he's eager to go to Rome. He says, I'm under obligation both to the cultured and to the uncultured, okay? Both who are watching plays on Broadway and those who are listening to... Uh, 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 bands and dive bars, okay? Both to the Greek and the barbarian, the cultured and the uncultured, to the wise and the foolish. I'm under obligation to them all to preach the gospel. So I also want to come preach it to you who are in Rome, he says. And then in verse 16, he says, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Now that word gospel that Paul uses frequently throughout his writings is, is, is the Greek word euangelion, okay? So we'll have a test on how to pronounce that after the service. But it's that, it's, that's the word that's underneath our word gospel and that word literally in the original language meant good news good news now it's a very important fact to wrap our minds around when we talk about the gospel because the gospel is not good advice because advice is something that you receive about something that you must do that you take and then you go and you implement it and you put it into action advice is information or counsel or opinion Advice is something to discuss or to heed or to practice. But news is very different than advice because news is information you receive about something that has been done or will be done. It's something to report. It's something to declare. It's something to celebrate. It's something to proclaim. Let me see if I can make it plain for you this morning. Listen, unless you or your mama or your daddy are independently wealthy, all of you have some experience with debt. All right? All of us do. Now, whether you have debt as you've taken out for a mortgage on a home, or whether you have debt that you've taken out in order to purchase a vehicle, or you have debt that you've taken out to fund your education with student loans. Can I get a witness, all right, right, with student loans? Or you've taken out a personal loan for some purchase that you would like to make, or you've got credit cards, or you've consolidated those. We all have had experience to some degree, in some way, some shape or form with debt. Now, there are debt counselors out there who can help you put together a plan in order to get out of debt. And so they might recommend things to you. They might give you some advice. 
They might give you some counsel about consolidating debt or refinancing debt, restructuring your debt in order to be able to pay it off more expediently. They might tell you make two payments a month instead of one in order to minimize the interest you're going to pay over the life of the loan or pay more than the minimum payment on your credit cards, which seems like a no-brainer to a lot of people, right? But for some, they need a counselor to tell them that, right? Pay more than the minimum payment. So there's all this advice they can give you about how you can put together a plan, implement that plan, and get out of debt. But there is something else, church, to get a phone call or a letter from the bank. And they tell you that someone, unbeknownst to you, who is very kind, generous, benevolent, gracious, and good, right, has paid off your debt. They have paid your mortgage. That vehicle you're driving is free and clear now. The title's going to be in the mail, right? The student loans have been wiped out. Your debt has been paid. That is not advice from a debt counselor. That is news. Do you see the difference, right? The gospel is not advice. It is news, something that has been done, right? Advice is something that you can take now and go and do. News is something that has been done. Advice, at times, you may feel a degree of freedom as you begin to implement the plan, but when the news of the debt being paid comes, all of a sudden there is freedom, true freedom, because you no longer have any debt. And if you miss this, if you miss this distinction between advice and news, then here's what your Christian life will look like. Here's what your spiritual life will look like. It will look like you forever trying to formulate a plan to pay off your debt rather than celebrating the fact that there is someone who has paid it for you. Do you see the difference? When Paul talks about the gospel, he's not talking about advice. It's not an infomercial about a product that's going to make your life easier. It's not a Tony Robbins motivational speech about how your life is going to get better. It's not even Hans and Franz here to pump you up. Some of you have no idea what I'm talking about because you don't even remember Hans and Franz. All right? It's It's none of those things. It's news, a report. Something that's being declared and proclaimed about something that has been done. That's what is at the center of the Christian faith. The news of Jesus Christ, of his life, of his death, of his resurrection, of his ascension, and of his return. The gospel is not good advice, it is good news. But what does Paul say in this text that the gospel is able to do? Here's what he tells us. The second thing I want us to see this morning is this, that the gospel is powerful to save sinners. It is powerful to save sinners. In verse 16, Paul says the reason he is not ashamed of the gospel is because it, the gospel, is the power of God for salvation, for rescue, for deliverance, for redemption. Now that word power in the Greek text is the word that is is, is dunamis. It's the, the root word from which we derive our word dynamite, right? So you might say it this way, that the gospel is explosive. Now, it's not Tannerite, okay? Don't mistake it with that. I know some of you like to shoot that stuff out in the field and make things go boom, boom, right? But that's not, it's talking about dynamite. And dynamite is explosive. 
Because whenever dynamite, a charge of dynamite is set off, it can collapse structures, homes, and buildings. When a charge of dynamite is set off, it can reshape landscapes. Right? You can drill into the, to the rock or into the mountain and set off a charge and shear off a portion of that and reshape the landscape. It's explosive. And Paul's saying this, that the gospel itself is explosive. And I think one of the reasons that the gospel is explosive is because it does this. It explodes all of our human categories regarding who can and cannot be rescued. Who can and cannot be saved. Who can and cannot be delivered? Who can and cannot be made whole? Because Paul says, right, the gospel is the power of God for salvation to who? All who believe. All who believe. It doesn't say for some who heed certain advice, but it's news and powerful news that's able to save all who believe. Now, he doesn't say the power of God for salvation is, again, good advice, but news. Listen, Paul doesn't say I'm not ashamed of my moral record because it's the power of God for salvation. Not what he says. He doesn't say I'm not ashamed of my social standing or my social media following because it's the power of God for salvation. He doesn't say, I'm not ashamed of my financial success, my real estate holdings, or my charitable giving, because that is the power of God for salvation. He doesn't say, I'm not ashamed of my political ideology or party, for that is the power of God for salvation. He doesn't say, I'm not ashamed of my well-adjusted children or my flock of grandchildren, for they are the power of salvation. It is not salvation by reproduction. Fertility. Right? He doesn't say, I'm not ashamed of my level of fitness or my level of education, for in them is the power of God unto salvation, because it's not justification by dumbbells or degrees. He doesn't say, I'm not ashamed of the trophies or the awards I've won in my hobbies or the mounts I have hanging on my wall, because in them is the power of God for salvation. What he says is, the power of God for salvation is only in the news. Only in the gospel, church. And it's powerful to save anyone. All who believe. Now, one other thing to observe here before we move forward, and that is the verb to believe. The verb is in the present tense. And what that means is this. Right? That, 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 that the belief is not a, isolated to a singular moment in history. But a present tense verb is continual. It's ongoing. It's something that has a, it has a point of origin, but it does not have a point of extinction. Right? So that you believe and you keep on believing. That you believe and you continue in that believing. That you believe and there is an ongoing believing in your heart and in your life. What that means is that this believing is not something that's done at one singular point in history. It may start there, but it doesn't stop there. And so what Paul is saying is this, that the only prerequisite for being rescued, delivered, redeemed, saved, and secure is to believe and to keep on believing. 
You don't need a particular pedigree or personality or level of popularity. You don't need a particular family of origin, one that is healthy, or to be winsome and attractive, or a particular skin color, or live in a particular zip code. You don't have to be Texan, right, or American. You just must believe and hold fast in belief. That's all he says. That's it. That's why the gospel is powerful to save sinners. And it puts no one beyond the grace of God. For all who believe. Third, how does the gospel save sinners? Third, I'm going to tell you this, the gospel reveals God's righteousness. And notice he doesn't say the gospel reveals God's love, which it does. It does, but that's not what verse 17 says. It says the gospel reveals God's righteousness. What does that mean? Listen, my daughter, she loves to watch the National Treasure movies, one and two. Okay? All right, so she's, she, I, I've seen enough of Nicolas Cage. Okay? Um, or Ben Gates. All right? Um, but she loves to watch those movies because she loves to see the mystery as it unfolds, okay? Uh, if you're not familiar with the movies, okay, Nicolas Cage plays this guy named Ben Gates who believes that on the back of the Declaration of Independence is a hidden treasure map to some monumental treasure. I, that was the first one. I forget even what the second one was about. Um, but essentially, he spends his life searching for something that has been hidden, searching for something that has been covered, searching for something that has not been been seen in centuries, right? And in each, each movie, he ends up discovering whatever it was that he had been searching for. He uncovers it in order to put it on display for all of the world to see. And that word revealed in verse 17, that's what it literally means, to take something that was covered and uncover it, to take something that was hidden and to make it plain, to lay it bare, to expose it for the entire world to see. And what has been put on display for all the world to see, Paul says in verse 17 in the gospel, is the righteousness of God. God's righteousness that he demands that's what has been laid bare. Now the question then for us is, how is this good news? Right? Because at first glance it would seem to be bad news. <laughs> right? Because what the righteousness that's put on display is the righteousness that God demands of us. That God demands of us. And that we're told later in the book of Romans that we all fall short of. That none of us is able to hit that mark consistently enough, which is perfection. So no, all of us fall short of that. So how is this good news? Here's the answer, right? For those of us who are under the wrath of God, which, by the way, is every man, woman, and child who's born into this world, right? Under the just anger of God against sin, how is God putting the righteousness He demands on display good news for us and it's found in this is the, in, in this truth is that what God demands he delivers what he demands he delivers God demands righteousness that we don't have in and of ourselves 
So the only hope that we have is for God himself to deliver the righteousness that he demands. And what is revealed in the gospel is the righteousness of God for us that he demands from us. Go read Paul later on in Romans chapter 3 when he talks about the righteousness of God being revealed from heaven through who? Jesus Christ. That the righteousness God demanded from us was revealed in human history through the life of a person. So many of us are accustomed to hearing the, the negative, if you want to call it the negative side of the gospel, of that Christ dying for our sins. That is true, unequivocally true, and if it were not true, we would be without hope and without God in this world. But what we often do not hear about is the positive side of that because Christ not only stretched his arms wide at the cross and breathed his last breath on our behalf, but he also not only died in our place, but lived in our place. That's what theologians call the imputation of Christ's righteousness. So that in this great exchange in the gospel, what you have is our sin laid upon Jesus, imputed to Jesus, but in that great exchange you have Jesus' righteousness laid upon us, imputed to us. So the righteousness God demanded was revealed through Jesus Christ in His perfect obedience to the law. That every step of the way He was obedient. His, he, he, his mind was fixed upon the Father. He never strayed. And that perfect righteousness is imputed to us so that what God demanded, He delivered to be received. How? By faith. By faith. That's why in verse 17, Paul goes on to say, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. What does he mean by that? Here's what I think that he means by that. And I found... A guy by the name of John Piper to be incredibly helpful when it came to wrapping my head around this and explaining it. He says this. He says, when the revelation of the gift of righteousness, the righteousness God demanded that he delivered in the living in our place through Jesus Christ, fulfilling all righteousness through Jesus. When that gift of righteousness, he says, meets with faith, it leads to future faith. Faith is the initial window of the soul that lets the light of the revelation of righteousness in. And when the light of God's gift of righteousness comes in by faith, it powerfully works to awaken and sustain and engender more and more faith for the years to come. From faith, for faith. That whenever you look at Jesus Christ and see Him fulfilling all righteousness on your behalf and in your place, as God uncovers that before your eyes and you meet that with faith, it's like that initial light passing through the window in the morning that only continues to engender more and more sight as the sun gets higher and higher in the sky. From faith, for faith. And, and then he goes on to say, and I love the way he says this. He says, this also is the key to understanding the keeping on of believing in verse 16. Because he goes on to say, 
Right? Verse 16 says that the gospel is the power of God unto salvation for all who go on believing. So we must go on believing. But we go on believing because we, we've met God with faith and the gift of righteousness, which then fosters more faith, believing into the future. What God demands, He delivers at every step of the way. And here's why I say that, because this word revealed is also a present tense verb. Here's where it gets good. It's also a present tense verb, which means this, that the revealing did not only happen at one point in history, but it continues day after day, month after month, week after week, year after year, generation after generation, that God is revealing his, the righteousness He demands and delivers through Jesus Christ to unbelievers across the globe who have never heard the name of Jesus from generation to generation, but He's also further uncovering that for you and I who are already believers and reminding our, us of the righteousness of God in Jesus Christ, which fosters more faith. Some of you have probably experienced this before. I hope you have. Right? I know I have in my life. Right? Where you have certain moments in your life where it's like the blinds are open and the shutters are unfurled and the curtains are pulled back and all of a sudden the light of the beauty of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ becomes radioactive in you. Right, it might be through a certain scripture that you read that morning in your time with the Lord. It might be through a certain song that you sang in church or heard on the radio. It might be through a conversation that you had with another believer. It might be through a conversation you had with an unbeliever as you sought to share the gospel with them. But through all these various means, God pulls back the curtains and the light shines in and it becomes radioactive for you again. It's like there's this heightened awareness of the fact that you are not saved because of anything that you have done because your righteousness always fell short of God's demanded standard of righteousness, but He delivered it for you in Jesus Christ. That just comes alive for you, afresh. It may not happen every day, though we wish it would. It may not happen every week or every month, but there are times in your life where it does, and it engenders more faith to keep on persevering, to keep on believing, to keep on holding fast and clinging to Christ and Christ alone. As the gospel gets deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper into your life. See, when you first make a profession of faith, you think, man, this is the greatest thing ever. And you know what? For you, it was. But when you talk with someone who's been walking with the Lord for 30 years and they say, ah, this revelation that came about the righteousness of God in Jesus Christ last week is the greatest thing ever. You know what? It is. Because it's gotten deeper and deeper. It's gotten a hold of more and more of us. The light is, is, is more radiant then than it was at the first time the window was cracked. The righteousness of God is revealed in the gospel. It is the power to save sinners. And it is not advice. It is news. It is news. So what do we do with all this? 
Let me give you two things this morning. First of all, if you're in the room this morning and you've never crossed the line of faith, I would invite you this morning to believe the good news. For you, it might be that first time the window gets cracked open or the curtains are pulled back and this ray of light shines through into your heart. That may be happening to you this morning right now. And I would invite you and invoke you even to believe the good news. That what God demanded from you that you could not give to Him, He delivered for you in the person of Jesus. And go from being under God's wrath to being one of God's children. To being one of his sons and daughters by placing your faith, your confidence, your trust in Jesus Christ. Believe that news. And if that's you this morning, I'll be at the kiosk in the back of the room after the service. I would love to visit with you. If you're online this morning and you would like to take that step, please go to our, go to our homepage of our website uh, and, 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 and click contact a pastor and email us about, about a need that's in your life and we would respond to that. We would love to visit with you, set up a time to talk to you about trusting Jesus, placing your confidence in Him and going from spiritual death to spiritual life, from despair to hope, from darkness to light. If that's you. But if you're a believer in the room this morning, here's what I would say to you. Don't stop believing the good news but strengthen your grip on the gospel. Strengthen your grip on it. How do you go about doing that? I'll give you several ways. First of all, you can sit under preaching of the gospel on a regular basis. Right? Sit under preaching of the gospel on a regular basis. What we fail to realize oftentimes is that we think that, our, we, we, we think that, 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 that coming to a church service Right? That's, that's not really the real place where the real work's going to happen in our lives. We think that's going to happen when we, when we read Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Well, guess what? It happens in both places. Right? Your personal relationship with God is not a private one. Okay? It is a public one that you share with all of your brothers and sisters who are in this room. And being here week after week, Right? No matter who is in this pulpit, as they expound the gospel from every page of the Bible and celebrate Jesus and what he's done for us. Listen, we underestimate the incremental change that can happen in our lives over the course of a year or two years or three years or four years or five years. We're looking for these explosive moments every single Sunday and underestimating that slow work of the Spirit as seeds are deposited and they are watered and then they begin to shoot up sprouts and then years from then they begin to bear fruit. You have no idea, church, I have no idea what fruit might be born in your life three years from now because you were here this morning to hear this message. I have no idea what fruit might be born in my life because I preached this message this morning three years from now. But sit under gospel preaching. Second of all, learn to preach the gospel to yourself. And remind yourself of your true identity in Christ. Right, that you are a son or daughter of God. That you belong to Him. Preach that to yourself. Every, every time that you look in the mirror and you go, man, I have blown it. 
I know you probably do that a lot less than I do, right? But every time, every time, thank you, Butch, every time that happens, when you look in the mirror, right, and you think, how could I fall in that way again? How could I be ensnared by that sin one more time? That you look in the mirror and you say to yourself that I am not accepted in the eyes of God because of my moral record or performance, but because Jesus had a perfect record and performed everything for me. And then rejoice in the one who paid your debt. And draw grace to move forward and sin no more. Preach the gospel to yourself. Memorize passages that remind you of who you are in Christ. Third, talk about the gospel with others. Listen, in the context of your life groups or your small groups or your connections, your relational connections and friendships, listen, I I love to talk about fishing. I love to talk about running. I love to talk about all kinds of things. I love to talk about my kids. They don't know that. They think that I hate to talk about them, but I love to talk about them and all the things God's doing in their lives. Um, But, and and we all love to do that. And I'm not saying every single conversation needs to be, right, preaching the gospel to one another. But there are times in the context of those life groups, there are times in the context of those interpersonal relationships where we need to talk about more than our hobbies and more than our children and more than our vocation. We need to remind one another of the goodness of God in the gospel. Listen, if somebody were to come and confess sin to some of us, we wouldn't have any idea what to do with that. Let me tell you what to do with that. Take them to Romans chapter 1, verse 17. In it, in what? In the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. So listen, brother, listen, sister, believe. Keep on believing. You've got to preach it, talk about it with others, and then forth, boast about it before the world. Boast about it before the world. Listen, what what, what is it that we most frequently boast about? It's usually the things that we're most proud of, isn't it? Yeah. And there's no reason to walk around with a bunch of self-loathing and pity and saying, that, oh, woe is me, I can't do anything, I've never done anything well or good. But I'm not talking about that kind of mentality or that kind of attitude. What I'm saying is this, is that whenever you boast, right? In fact, the prophets will say it this way, some boast in, you remember, chariots, some boast in horses, but we boast in the name of the Lord our God. We're going to boast in God, what God has done. And what God has done most definitive in human history is send His Son as a sacrifice for sin. We're going to boast in Him. Make my boast not in men, not in the might of kings, but boast in the gospel. Do you boast in that on social media? Do you boast in that in interpersonal conversations? Do you boast in that? with unbelievers in your workplace? Do you boast in that in your neighborhood? Sit under the preaching of it, preach it to yourself, talk about it with others and boast about it before the world. Now as we close this morning, I want to share with you one last thing and that's this. I said earlier at the introduction of the message that 
oftentimes there are a lot of issues physically that can be traced back to our core. Okay? Right? Low back pain. You're like, I'm going to go home and do a bunch of sit-ups this afternoon. <laughs> All right, deadlifts, here I come. <laughs> right? All this stuff gets traced back to the core, but listen, when it comes to the spiritual core, one of the things that's most prevalent in the lives of even believers today because they have a weak spiritual core is high degrees of insecurity. Of insecurity. But if you believe that the gospel is the, the gospel is powerful to save sinners, that it's not advice, it is news, and news about God's righteousness that he demanded from us being delivered to us in the person of Jesus, then listen, that if you strengthen your grip on that reality, then you're slowly working out your insecurities. Remember that game you used to play on the, on the playground or in parks or in your backyard as kids where you pick a flower and you go around with the petals and you say, he loves me, he loves me not. She loves me, she loves me not, right? Boys, you're like, I didn't do that. Right? That was a girl deal, right? But you go around, right? They love me or they love me not. And by the time you got to the end of the flower, right, and you pulled the last petal, it was whatever you were on, that's what, it, what, what stood, Right? So if you were on, they love me, then they loved you. If you were on, they love me not, then they didn't love you. But some of us have imported that mentality in, as adults into our relationship with the Lord. Right? He accepts me. He accepts me not. He accepts me. He accepts me not. And depending on the day or the hour, sometimes throughout the day, depending upon how many petals you've pulled and where you're at at the end of that, all of a sudden insecurity rushes in and floods your soul. Listen, significant insecurity like that is a symptom of a weak spiritual core because we've lost our grip on the gospel. It is the righteousness of God, not the righteousness of Shannon. Not the righteousness fill in your name, but the righteousness of God revealed from faith for faith. Go to war against your insecurity, church, by strengthening your grip on the gospel. Sit under its preaching, preach it to yourself, talk about it with others, and boast about it before the world. Let me pray for us this morning. Father, the good news never gets old if we really understand it. Father, would you open the eyes of those in this room or online who may never have seen the light of the beauty of the glory of God in the face of your Son. Open their eyes to see that light. Penetrate their soul bring them to life, cause them to be born again by placing their confidence and faith in Jesus, finished work for them. That what you demanded from them, you delivered for them in the person of your Son. May they cross the line of faith and place their confidence and trust in Jesus, in Jesus alone. And Father, for those who are believers, may we establish regular rhythms and patterns of sitting under the preaching of the gospel. May we learn to preach it to ourselves and remind ourselves of who we are in Christ. May we talk about it with those who are close to us, be encouraged by them and be an encouragement to them in it. May we boast about it before the world because there is nothing that we can boast about greater than the good news.
Father, as we do, may our insecurities melt away in the light of this truth. Help us to strengthen our grip on the gospel. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Church, this morning I want to invite you to stand as we respond to what the Lord has said to us through song. Again, I said earlier, if you're here this morning, you got questions about the sermon, if you got questions about the church, we would love to connect with you. I'll be at that kiosk back there. I'd love to pray with you or answer questions. Uh, help in any way that I can. I'd love to visit with you. If you're new with us, stop by, introduce yourself. I'd love to meet you this morning. But I want to invite you to sing with us as we rejoice in the truth of the gospel that Christ is bigger and He's better than anything else that we might boast in. So let's boast in Him this morning.
prayer tonight. In every victory, Jesus is better. Make my heart believe. Than any comfort, Jesus is you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. May you go in the grace and peace of our Lord Jesus Christ. You are dismissed.